0: Welcome to week four in our series on the book of James, Practical Holiness, Christ-Centered Faith on Display, a faith that's alive. The term social distancing has now entered common conversation. Every time we turn on the news or we click a link, the experts tell us the way to slow this virus down is through disconnection. Hear me right, social distancing is wise, and it's needed right now. We all submit to the expert advice because we know if we do not, the most vulnerable among us will bear the brunt of the consequences, the elderly, the sick, and so on. In the same matter, we need to listen to James' words today on the theme of faith and works. If we neglect these words concerning the works of mercy, the vulnerable in our community will suffer. Some people assume that James and the Apostle Paul are engaged in some faith distancing, theological minefield, when it comes to the themes of faith and works. Is Paul saying that faith can be lived out without works or go unaccompanied by works by faith alone? Is James devaluing faith and grace? The answer to the above faith distancing a Paul and James by Sunday? Absolutely not, no. James is circling back. Remember we said a circuitous letter. He's always circling back to what he's already mentioned in the text. He's going back to the problem he addressed in chapter one when he spoke about people who hear the word but fail to apply the word to their daily lives. James himself is insisting that genuine faith must be put into practice He's not concerned about a distancing of faith and works or disconnection of faith and works, but a connection of faith and works. James, at times, to us readers of the text, seems bossy. And we don't like bossy people. He's always issuing out some command. He now begins formulating his thought process of what he finished the preceding verses, especially verse 13, mercy. Triumphs over judgment. That's where Pastor Betty left off last week. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And now he's going to explain how mercy is fleshed out in real life, how it's lived out. Dallas Willard once said, the late Dallas Willard, grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. Did you get that? Grace is opposed to earning. But it is not opposed to effort because effort is action and earning is an attitude. When grace becomes a mere attitude that I am entitled to salvation, there is a problem there. See, grace is a gift from God. And did James not himself say in the beginning of chapter 1 that every good gift comes from above? He's talking about the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus from the Father of lights. See, faith, my dear friends, is not a once-for-all prayer involving no commitment of life or purpose. It's not as simple as we try to simplify it. Just accept Jesus in your heart, and that's it. See, the first thing that James brings to our attention is that bogus faith is deedless. There are vulnerable people around you, around me, that have been forgotten, ignored, and overlooked by the church. Autistic people, people with disabilities, poor people, strangers, immigrants. Perhaps you are one of them. In <laughs> this time in history when people are fighting over toilet paper and flour and Lysol wipes, there are people who cannot defend themselves. And they need our help, the church's help. This is what makes James sound so bossy because he doesn't want us to be Just bystanders, while all the vulnerable are not cared for. He's concerned with the practicality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's following in his brother's footsteps, Jesus Christ. And there's overtones of the Sermon on the Mount throughout his epistle. Read the Sermon on the Mount for yourself. Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7. There's faith and action, obedience going hand in hand. There is no distancing between faith and works in the message of Jesus. Let's hear how Eugene Peterson puts chapter 2 in his words in the message. Verses 14 to 17. Dear friends, do you think you can get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags, half-starved, and you say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you walk out without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup or even a Timmy's coffee. He didn't say that. Where does that get you? Peterson says, isn't that obvious? That God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. Nonsense. What James is speaking here is against a faith that offers verbal service to God without fleshed out commitment, lived out commitment. This kind of faith, according to the Apostle James, is useless. And it's bogus. See, the words of a person of faith without works are nice. Keep warm, well fed, God bless you, Jesus loves you, and then off you are doing whatever you were doing beforehand. They sound religious, they seem to reflect personal concern, but they offer nothing to the one that is in need, the vulnerable one that needs our help. His words sound sincere, but his behavior is without mercy, is without grace, is without works. Outrageous nonsense is how the message put it. See, my dear friends, belief in Jesus is never to be a mere passive event or passive act. Grace precedes faith. The gift of Christ's grace precedes our faith, but it always, always, if it is genuine and not bogus, always leads to doing good, acts of mercy, where mercy triumphs over judgment. See, genuine faith is a reality in which one stakes one's life, not a mere passive assent to a certain doctrine. Faith is trust in action, not certainty. I believe because I believe because I believe, and you have nothing to show for it. See, for James, expressions of faith, like non-discrimination, when he spoke out against favoritism in chapter 2 earlier on, when he spoke out against violence in chapter 2 early on, they must be lived, not merely acknowledged by a creed or I believe statement. Those are good, but in and of themselves, if we don't live them out, they are bogus deeds. So bogus faith is deedless. Secondly, bogus faith without works is dead. It's dead, that's what James says. The word dead here is a graphic way of saying useless or it's a dead sham. For James, faith can be demonstrated only by works. Let's listen to Eugene Peterson's The Message again. I could already hear some of you saying. I can hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department And I'll handle the works department. Boy, what a sad picture of the story of the church right there. You take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, fit together hand in glove. (laughs) I'll say it again. Faith and works, works and faith, fit together hand in glove. Show me, is what James said. You know that Jerry Maguire movie with Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding, show me the money, but they're not saying show me the money. Show me the acts of mercy. Show me the works of mercy in your love was a natural demand for evidence for faith in God. James is highlighting a faith and which generosity is a necessity and not an option. Workless faith is sterile, useless a sham, There are followers of Jesus who are failing to roll up their sleeves and display their compassion, their mercy for the poor and vulnerable in their community. I'm not talking about going abroad. I'm talking right here where we live and breathe and move and have our being. They see the hungry and they fail to offer them food. They see the naked and they fail to offer them clothing. They not only lack hearing and doing. Remember, that's what we said in James chapter 1. They heard the word but they didn't do the word but right now James is saying you see the vulnerable you see them in your community and maybe in your own families and you do nothing nothing see Christ Jesus our King our Lord came for the poor came for the oppressed came for the vulnerable came for those low on the totem pole of society and he ministered to them But his disciples tried to shoot the children away. Remember that? Get away, children. Get away, children. And then they tried to get rid of the blind that was crying out for Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. But Jesus didn't shoot anyone away. He gave an invitation. Come. Come unto me. Suffer not the little children. He asked the blind and he asked the leopard, what can I do for you? And he's saying the very things to us today. What can I do for you? And he wants us to say that to the world around us, the vulnerable around us. What can we do for you? I love this quote, this tweet by Brian Zan from Twitter. He said, I'm perplexed by Christians who confidently tell me who Jesus is not allowed to save. Isn't that ridiculous? Christians who tell us who Jesus can save and who Jesus can not save, who Jesus can perform works of mercy through his church and who they shouldn't perform works of mercy through his church. Was it not our Lord Jesus Christ who said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy? The church has been divided on the meaning of works, of law, and faith, And they've seen this theological minefield or this boxing match going on between Paul and James. And they've been arguing in dissertations and commentaries and books have been written written about it. But are Paul and James really so far apart? See, Paul was more concerned with works righteousness, self-righteousness, something that you earn, but we cannot earn our faith. And James is concerned about barren orthodoxy, about people that can say, I believe, I know the creeds, I know the doctrines, and yet their life is empty of works. I believe Paul and James are on the same page when it comes to understanding the laws, What they were most concerned is the ritual laws are not needed in Christ, but the ethical laws, the works of mercy, love for enemy, love for stranger, the Ten Commandments, they are still applicable for the believer in Christ. And Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount says we should even exceed that righteousness. Paul in Ephesians 2, the go-to passage for people to defend a faith without works or faith alone, even though the just shall live by faith. It doesn't say the just shall live by faith alone, Luther like alone, but it's not there in the original text. It's not there in Habakkuk either. They shall live by faith. The whole middle term, live, employs the image of someone doing something for the Lord. But beyond that, for another day, we'll leave that behind for today. This is what Paul wrote to the Ephesians, the go-to text. For it is by grace you have been saved. There's also other ones. But through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. James said it was a gift of God too from chapter 1 as well. Not by works so that no one can boast. (laughs) Okay? But you can't stop there. Then he says in verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Hello? Did you hear that? God has saved us. A gift of God. Not by works. We can't boast it, but he saved us so that we can do good works. And in Galatians 5, 6, he speaks about a faith working, expressing itself through love. James will give Paul two thumbs up for what he just said. Because both of them are declaring that faith declared only in words would not help anyone. It is a sham. So bogus faith is deedless. Bogus faith without works is dead. And then he says bogus faith in one God is good, but. In verse 19, James addresses one of the most basic points of ancient Judaism the confession that God is one, which is still at the heart of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, the religions that follow Father Abraham. What is James' point? By simply saying or ticking a box that you believe God is one doesn't go far in making a difference in your life. Having knowledge of the doctrine of one God, monotheism, mono-one, theism, God, one God, is an empty affirmation without accompaniments of the deeds of mercy. It just will not do, We're not cut it for the apostle James here. James says, even the demons know that. What an image that he used, or what a metaphor to bring his point across. Even the demons know that God is one, guess what? It doesn't do them any good, does it? It doesn't save them. So what do you think the knowledge of one God will do you any good? <laughs> the demons are scared stiff. That God is one. What about you? James says they shudder. The demons themselves are quite orthodox. They believe in one God, but they tremble in fear of judgment. Do you tremble in fear of judgment? Demons do not love God. They do not obey God. They're simply afraid of him. Hello, is that you? Is that the type of belief that you have in God? A faith without works? bogus faith is deedless bogus faith without works is dead bogus faith in one God is good but and then he brings us to the close in this passage to an evidence of faith that works James says those these words as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without deeds is dead it's a corpse a dead corpse and has no ruach, no breath of God no spirit no life For James and for Paul, faith is never separated from doing. The just shall live by faith, but faith without living it out of the expression of our new creation in Christ Jesus is just a sham. It's useless. It's dead. So, James, at this point, the evidence that he brings into this discussion is two people a man and a woman, and it's not Adam and Eve. The first is Abraham, the father of Israel. The same character that Paul employs to make his case for faith without the works of the law of Romans 3 and 4. The second example is Rahab, a prostitute who was known for hospitality and saving the spies as they came out to check the land in, in Jericho and saved the people of Israel and aided them and then became one of them. The lives of Abraham and Rahab, a man and a woman, exemplify that true faith reveals itself in pious deeds of love for others alone. True faith will have the evidence of works, of love, of mercy, of compassion. Faith without works is like a symphony orchestra or a sports team. Always rehearsing, always training, but never performing. Is that what's happening to the church? Always rehearsing, always training, but never performing faith in action. When there is faith distancing between faith and God, and the works of mercy in our life as a follower of God, it's time to see if our faith resembles that of Abraham and Rahab, or the demons that fear God and believe in one God. See, Jesus always backed up his words with actions. And James is saying, will you, my friends, will you, people of God, will you, new creation in Christ Jesus, will you back up your words with actions? Jesus is our model here. He is the one we imitate, the one we strive to implement in our daily life. He broke all the rules of tradition. He reached out in love to prostitutes, to publicans, to the vulnerable, to the sick, to the headstrong Peters throughout generations, to the doubting Thomases throughout generations. Jesus took on the role of a slave. He grabbed a towel. He washed the feet of his disciples. He carried the cross. He was whipped. He was bruised for our transgressions, a time we may not feel like doing our faith. But that's no excuse to stop doing. At times we will not feel like loving an enemy or a stranger or an immigrant or a vulnerable or some person with disability. But that doesn't mean we stop doing it. At times we will not feel like staying in a difficult marriage, but we trust God. God will get us through, even though we might not feel like doing it. We might not feel like forgiving someone who's ripped our heart open again and again and again, but in God's grace and mercy, we will go to Him. At times, we will not feel like having a stranger who's filthy and stinks and reeks of urine, but with God's help, we will minister the grace and mercy of God to them. That's what faith demands that we respond because Jesus responds to us. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Jesus has called us all in the church, no matter of our titles, no matter of our positions, to a life where mercy triumphs over judgment, and judgment is killing the church of Jesus Christ in our day. Jesus himself said that the mere verbalizing of his name and lordship, it was no help to us if faith and works are not operating in love in our walk. Yes, my dear friends, James does sound bossy, but he's right. Faith without works is like a rotting dead corpse. We have a blessing to share, my friends, to this world engulfed in a pandemic, and that is to share and show and manifest and put on display a faith that works. This truth is an essential and all our talk about what's essential and what's not essential, what's essential, and what's not essential. This is essential. Faith and works not distance but brought together in our lives. And a unity of belief and practice so that it becomes a faith that saves by the grace of God. Yes. Continue your social distancing during this time of crisis. But with the help of God's spirit let us narrow the gap between our faith and our works so that we may glorify the God of our creation, the God of wonders beyond the galaxy with our works of mercy. And let us display to the world not a spirit where judgment triumphs over mercy, but where mercy triumphs over judgment. God bless you. In Christ's name, amen.